from Red Kite Prayer. This is the Paceline Tandem, a special episode of the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and my guest for this episode is Yuri Hoswald, who finished second at the recent Dirty Kanza XL, the new ultra-long version of the world's premier gravel event. This is the full interview we excerpted on last week's episode of The Pace Line. As you may recall, Yuri is best known for winning the 2015 edition of Dirty Kanza in brutally muddy conditions, and the fortitude he honed there was absolutely necessary to get through the XL. We recorded this interview less than two days after his finish as he was driving home from the race. Well, hey, Yuri, thanks for joining us on the Pace Line. Man, I... I am fascinated to hear about how the DKXL went for you. Um, I mean, you got second, so it sounds like it pr- went pretty well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it went uh, about as well as it as it could. Matt Acker, who won, extremely strong rider. Um, he and I met actually in 2015. Um, when I won, we rode together for the early part of the day. Um, and, uh, we reconnected. It was kind of fun at the start. Like we put it together, uh, that we had met, uh, you know, four years prior or whatever. And so, um, yeah, it, it went really well. And, uh, my nutrition plan, uh, was, was pretty dialed and I had no mechanicals and no mentals and no physicals and, um, yeah, everything cooperated. Now I heard that there was some mud after thunderstorms. Huh. Um, your course, yeah. did you encounter any mud? Yeah. Oh. I, I, I don't think I, I don't I don't think you can do a DK without having mud. Um, and if you don't have mud, you're definitely going to have some other adverse weather. Um, but yeah, so we got hit. So I'll I'll just like take you back. We got hit by the storm at about 4.30 in the morning, um, this super ominous uh, electrical storm came up on us, and we were on this plateau. Um, that was about a mile, probably, I don't know, 150 for us or something like that at that point, maybe maybe closer to 180, I don't remember. Uh, and it started raining on us, wind picked up, temp dropped, which was nice because it had been really hot and humid. Um, you know, we had started at 4 p.m. on Friday. Uh so Matt and I, Matt was already ahead of me at that point, and uh, we were maybe a little bit ahead of folks, so uh, we got hit with less of the storm. Um, that doesn't mean uh, I got hailed on a little bit, but Ooh. we rode through it quickly. But that storm hit Emporia and then hit the really far northern zone that uh, was new for DKXL, um, an area they call Little Egypt by a town called Alma, some really like Switzerland-esque rolling green hills uh, with some technical trails and lots of climbing. There was like probably 4,000 feet of climbing up in that zone. And that also happened to be where, well, I had hit mud earlier. Uh, There had been mud earlier that had forced me to pull into somebody's front yard and ask them if I could borrow their hose to to spray my bike off. So um, there was mud for sure. Oof. Wow. Um, man. Uh, and so at what point did you separate from, you know, the rest of the quote unquote Peloton? Well, um, we started in the back alley behind main street, which is really rad. And 
the promoters were overwhelmed by the turnout of the local community and people who are in town to race the 200. So it was really inspiring. The, the whole alley was lined with people screaming and they had an announcer and it was really electric. It was really cool, man. One of the coolest starts I think I've ever participated in as a cyclist, as a pro cyclist, Neat. really fun. So we rolled out. Yeah. Yeah. We rolled out this little alley and onto the street and, um, we had a police escort for a little while. And then when it turned to dirt, you know, there were about four salsa guys. There was, um, you know, Matt Acker, uh, there was Jay and Tracy Peterberry who were on a tandem. Um, there was a gentleman named Sean. I don't know his last name, a gentleman named Joe. Not totally sure. I know they were all on salsa, um, uh, new crowd for me. So I don't know everybody. Dan Hughes was there. Mm-hmm. Nick Legan, Kristen, Kristen Legan, Reba was there. Um, bunch of other folks things just just you know slowly started to sort out like a like a road race would and um i found myself in with like three of the salsa guys and uh you know rolled in there's two guys that got off the front like within the first 50 but it was really hot it was you know probably in the low 90s with you know humidity which is really tough for me mm-hmm. so um I actually resorted to one of my old tricks, you know, being old means you, you get to learn new tricks, right. And, and, or practice them over the years. So, uh, uh-huh. I used, uh, a, a camelback race pack, which they don't make anymore, but I have a stash thanks to the Colby. And, um, I freeze the 70 ounce, uh, reservoir. Yep. And so I had it. So I had that on at the start and then I had my chase vest over it, but with no fluids in it. So I didn't want to go like double pack, but I wanted it for the chest stowage. Uh-huh. And having that having that block of ice on my back is what got me through the first fifty to eighty miles. Uh, when those same miles knocked down a lot of folks who are from that area, you know, I mean, I should have been one of the first to be uh, felled by that heat and humidity. But um, having that thermal cooling on my back helped, and I overhydrated. I drank uh, about five liters in the first fifty-eight miles, something like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was hot. So, I mean, getting that much uh, fluid down, were you working with uh, a reservoir bag? Uh, well, I had the cha- so I had that base layer on for the first 50, and then I ditched it, and then I had the chase vest, which is one liter. Um, I was using an Ortlieb top tube bag that Camelback then made a three-liter custom reservoir for, um, and that was a savior. And then I had two bottles um, on my bike as well. So I had close to five liters of water carrying capability. Wow. And um, I used it every leg and ran out of it uh, on the longest uh, empty stretch, which was about 118 miles Oof. in between convenience stores. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and now yeah. uh, back to, you know, at some point, I remember a, a comment from you on Facebook about, you know, winding up completely alone. Um, at yeah. what point roughly were you on your own? And then was it, were you alone all the way to the finish at that point? Yeah. So what happened is uh, four of us, we rolled up on the um, leader at the second convenience store which was i believe around like 110 115 and uh we all rolled in there and i was like being super uh efficient and quick and not buying a lot 
really anything but water and getting ice. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I was carrying a ton of sports nutrition. And so uh, I was in and out. But there were some volunteers there who informed me that my spot tracker hadn't been working. So that was a bummer because I know people were freaking out. So then I reactivated it. They took a picture of me, which is cool to prove that I was there. Not mm-hmm. that any of the salsa guys. Not the salsa guys are all cool dudes. They were all like vouch for me, obviously. But anyway, um, I ended up being the first to roll out of there. And I was like, you know, see you later, fellas. I'm sure you're going to catch me in a little bit here because, you know, we've got 118 miles to the next convenience store, the next Casey's. And as I rolled out of town, I pulled my phone out and called Vanessa and left her a message letting her know that my tracker was on. I was okay. I was at a certain mileage and I was currently sitting in first place, uh, which that was short lived because Matt Acker caught me probably, I don't know, 20 miles mm-hmm. out of town. Um, and this nighttime now we're midnight, maybe one at 1 AM. And, uh, he caught me and, uh, <laughs> literally with my pants down, I was taking a piss. I, mean, <laughs> I could see his light. You know, I mean, I, I, you could see his lights coming. And I was like, man, I, you know, I'm just going to take a piss and we're going to catch up and, uh, roll by, said hello, and you know everything okay. And I was like, "Yep." And I rolled up with him a little bit, and uh, he then just gave it some stick. And I was like, "I'm not going with that." And that was the last I saw of Matt. And so that was probably around mile 130 to 140, and mm. we were both alone. We were both alone for the rest of the day. Wow. So, yeah. Boy, yeah. Uh, kind of a trip. Yeah. Kind of a trip. Um, yeah. A lot well, of me time, dude. Yeah. Uh and I've got questions about that, but let's let's cover some other basics before uh <laughs> before sure. we get there. How much so, sleep have you had since the uh since the race? Not enough, I don't think. Oof. <laughs> um that's funny because my wife took a compromising picture that she might put somewhere today. Um she won't. But uh we we were uh we did a shuttle run this morning in in Moab just cuz we had our mountain bikes and we had to go do a little bit of the enchilada and uh, we were driving a few hours out of town. And I was just like, I looked at her, I was like, I'm super tired. And so we pulled over and I just like immediately sacked out in the driver's seat for like, like, I think I was probably snoring for like 15 minutes while she, you know, did, you know, connected with folks or whatever via social media. And then I woke up and like walked around the van for a little bit and was revived. But, um, I don't think I've, I think I'm still needing to catch up on, on sleep a little bit. Um, I'm, my like ankles and legs are swollen just cause I'm sitting a lot, unfortunately, you know, driving home. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, I could, I could use a little bit more sleep probably. Gotcha. Well, I, I hope you get it tonight. Um, oh, I will. Now you said you were able to stay on schedule for hydration, except for that one stretch of 118 miles where you ran out. Um, yeah, I I'm curious about what your nutrition plan was for the event, like um, how yeah. much you were trying to get down per hour, and then you know what what foods were you selecting for use, and you know how how much were you fueling per hour. Dude, I can't give you all my secrets. Come oh. on, man. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so I always I always shoot for 200 to, to 250 calories, whether that's, you know, liquids, gels, solids, whatever. Um, and my 
like go to forever um, and I've used it forever is, you know, rock chain gel with rock chain drink with water, with our branch chain amino acid capsules. And knowing that this race was going to be so hot, I had a whole bottle of our electrolyte capsules too, that uh, I was eating like, you know, M&Ms. Uh, because I needed to stay, you know, on top of my electrolytes and fluids and all of that to, to stave off, you know, issues from the heat. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other sort of in- tweak I did, I'm, I have, have been for the last two years, solidly like a sea salt chocolate, you know, salted caramel yeah. kind of flavor guy, but with the heat, um, my palate changes a bit. And so I went with some of our fruitier roctanes. Yep. Um, well, actually... I actually had both options on in my pack, uh, but I just had them separated by flavor because you you want to have to not make any decisions really, you know, when you're riding for that long. So the less you have to, other things you have to think about yeah. um, beyond just pedaling, and you know, so I, I know the right side is fruit, <laughs> left side is is uh, chocolate or whatever. So um, <laughs> yep, that I had makes that. total sense. Right, doesn't it? And so then, um, you know, I didn't get enough Roctane fluids in me just because I wasn't refilling those bottles enough. But usually, definitely every stop, I would fill at least one. Sometimes I would fill two of the bottles with Roctane. So that's 250 calories. Um, but I think overall, I was a tad undercaloried. Um, as far as solids go, I had some Pave bar. Um, uh-huh. Chris Cosentino, Chris Cosentino is launching a new bar. Yep. And so I had some of those, um, I had one Epic chicken Sriracha bar that gave me the worst cotton mouth ever that, oh. uh, I just, I decided I, yeah, exactly, dude. Yeah. Oh, like almost gag, like cotton mouth, like, oh, you know, trying to get water in there. <laughs> so, um, even in small bites. Anyway, so I, needless to say, I only did one of those. Um, and then I pretty much was was water, Roctane drink, Roctane gels. And then uh, in the morning at one of the Casey's, I grabbed a breakfast uh, biscuit egg thing that I ate about a half of. Um, and a little bit later in another town, uh, I can't remember if it was Council Grove or Alma, I grabbed like some random like burrito egg wrap because it had ham in it and ham sounded really good, you know? Isn't it funny how you can just suddenly have this hankering for something? It's I like, know, oh, dude. I, I need it's weird. X. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Oh, and I did I I did buy at some point like a little thing of like trail mix that was in my bag, but I think I only took two or three handfuls of it. Um I did inhale a Snickers bar at some point. Um, and that was about it. Uh, probably, uh, I would say in the range of 20 to 23 gels for that period of time, which mm. isn't that, I mean, that's not a lot considering what I need to eat in my system. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, that's, that's a lot to go through. Um, yeah. Um, and then a steady, and then I said like a steady drip drop of uh, branch chain amino acid capsules, and mainly more so our electrolyte uh, capsules. Uh, and 
you know, it paid off because I actually, not to sound weird or anything, I, you know, I urinated four times during that 25 hour period. So that was good. That was a good time. Wow. I mean, that doesn't sound yeah. like a whole lot for that length of time. Uh, it doesn't, but yeah. in my experience, in my experience, it is, but that doesn't necessarily mean my uh, experience is reflective of good things sometimes when it comes to uh, heat and, right. you know, fluids and stuff like that. So, yeah. Right, right. No, I follow you. Um, okay, well, let's talk about your your rig some. Um, you're a sure. strut rider yeah. and also sponsored yep. by Lau Forks. Um, yep. what, what all were you on that day? So I was on the 2018 Attic Gravel, um, the Lauf Grit Fork. I was on Adam Wheels, uh, second year in a row. This is a big deal. Second year in a row that I didn't have any flats on my WTB 40 nanos, mm. no flats. That's, you know, I'm going to jinx myself and go back next year and, you know, get a shit ton of them. But, uh, for two years in a row, I haven't had any flats on my 40 nanos and I made the cardinal sin of not putting completely fresh rubber on my bikes. Uh-huh. It, it, uh, but it got me through. Um, so yeah. And then I had those, uh, Ortlieb bags. I was using an Ortlieb top two bag for the custom reservoir from Camelback. And then I had a Ortlieb small, uh, seat bag that had all of my spare nutrition and a rain jacket, uh, and some other random stuff in there. Um, Praxis is my crank, um, and BB sponsor. Uh, and so, yeah, one by a, or two yeah, by? I'm two by okay. um, Shimano. Yeah. Okay. I'm part of the Shimano gravel gravel program a little bit. And so, and then, you know, Garmin <clears throat> got me through, I was running there 1030, with a charge booster pack, which gives it an extra 20 hours of battery life, which was key because as uh, if in case folks don't know gravel races, this one, um, there are no course markings. It's all, you know, GPS route. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and did you have any navigational issues at any point? None. What's well, none whatsoever, really a couple times I would blow like there'd just be a, a questionable turn and I go slightly a little bit too far to the left and then it'd be like, Oh, of course. I'd be like, oh, okay. I guess, you know, so nothing major, nope. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nothing more than like 50 yards past this. And then it would alert you and you'd flip back and be like, all right, I got it. This one. Yeah. So yeah, no problems. Yeah, it was good. It was flawless. Wow. Boy. Uh... Yeah. And then I had these. So the other thing was, you know, the other tricky part of this whole race, one of the aspects that scared me was the gear, you know, Patrick was like figuring out what gear. So having access to these Ortley bags, my camel backpack and stuff. But, um, Paul Arrington from the UK puts on the dirty reavers, set me up with some exposure lights, uh, this handlebar mounted system uh-huh. that is, is light, light and battery all in one. And it had, um, on medium, like nine hours and it was all I used. And I had one on my, yeah, I had a little stick ready to go on my helmet um, in case I needed it, but I never touched it because the one of my bars was, you know, it got me through the whole night. So, you know, dialing in the gear, that was the other, you know, tricky thing. And then, you know, not to pat myself on the back too much, but uh, here, let me do it. Uh, You know, I had the MacGyver getting the reservoir hose on my bars in such a way that they would, it wouldn't bounce off. Right. It wouldn't like, ding my knees and so Get calm, i uh, cut up and 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And so, um, I, I took some of the magnetic pieces off of other packs and figured out a way to, to strap them and, and sort of mate them on the barn and, and it worked perfectly. So everything like gear wise came together too, which was really key. That's cool. Uh, I, I can imagine that. Yeah. If you, I mean, just, you know, thinking about what it takes to try to have, uh, a, enough fluid with you for those stretches. I mean, five liters of, of fluid, that's not easy to get on a bike, um, or, or between a bike and a person, you know? Um, so yeah. And my goal was not to put a ton on my back. So that's why, you know, having the three liter reservoir on my top tube, which was, was key. <laughs> I would have, I would have come up short most likely on water or would have had to run a, you know, a hundred ounce pack or something on my back, right. um, which might've changed things, you know, with that extra heat and weight on my back. So anyway. And how were you dressed? I mean, you know, it started really hot. You said it got cool yep. later on. You had a rain jacket with you. Yep. 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 So, uh, I was wearing, um, Velocio's new, uh, ultralight bib and their radiator Jersey. Uh-huh. And I went full Johnny cat. I went full Johnny cash. So I had to go black just cause their other one is like light blue. And that would have been like a one and done, uh, with me in the prairie and the mud and the dust and everything. So, um, to preserve the Jersey, I, I made sure it was black. And then I had some white arm sleeves, uh-huh. um, to keep the sun off of me. And then, um, actually I, <laughs> I kind of geeked out and had a handkerchief on my neck that I kept wetted down, you know, to keep the sun off my neck. Uh-huh. And that was about it, man. And that was it. No gloves. Um, just some light, you know, light colored socks to try to have them keep them cool. And, and that was, that was it for gear. I never put on the jacket. Arm mm. warmers came up and down. Um, even when we got rained and hailed on, it was still warm enough that you weren't, um, or at least I wasn't, and I rode out of it soon enough. wasn't super cold, so. Wow. Uh, one yeah. other gear question: What's yeah, your saddle totally. of choice? I mean, given uh, you know, oof. Yeah. dude, I have been on a WTB Silverado for ages. I love that saddle. Uh, back when I did twenty-four hour racing, which was, I guess, I don't know, ten, eleven years ago, I used to use their Diva. Uh-huh. Um, they had a Devo, they had a Devo and a Diva, the female version. I used the Diva, but, um, the Silverado has been my go-to forever. It's on all my bikes. So that's my saddle of choice. Wow. And no troubles that way? Nope. Nothing. I mean, I've been fit to my bike. So obviously like I try to leave nothing to error there as far as being all dialed in with my angles and this sure. and that contact points. Yeah, I, I just think about, you know, you're in the same pair of bibs for 25 hours. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, what a what a dangerous well, endeavor that is. Yeah, well, to get totally graphic, you know, but I know we can, we're bros. Um, I had a little shower in a bag, you know, a little baby, like a, a, a high-powered baby wipe. Uh-huh. And so I, I think around mile two-something, um, I was at an aid stop and just, you know, Gave myself a little bath and refreshed with some chamois butter Euro style and was good to go, you know, sort of liven things up, and, <laughs> you know, sort of change, change the situation a little bit and like, okay, I think I could do another 150 miles now. So good yeah, grief. anything you could do, Patrick, you know, to keep a smile on your face. Oh, amen or, to that. You know, right. Yeah. 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 
Um, so something you alluded to before, or may have been alluding to, you and I have talked previously about, you know, that metaphoric darkness that comes in long events, you know, yeah. and this time we're strictly talking, you know, the, the metaphoric version, not the literal darkness that you rode through all flipping Friday night and Saturday morning. Did you, yeah. did you encounter the darkness and when? Yeah. Yeah. So the irony, and it's funny, I was talking with Vanessa about this today. The irony is that my darkness was during the light and my light was during the darkness. Um, and so the darkest moment for me was when we hit the mud patch, um, up in the little Egypt zone. Um, I had already dealt with mud earlier, but this was, you know, probably mile 280 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was just this, just vicious mud, dude. Like it would get so plugged up that you had to carry your bike because if you rolled your bike, it would pick more stuff up and stop oh. rolling. And luckily, luckily I had a mud stick and I could clear it. And then it would just, it was miserable. And so, you know, that brought back memories of 2015, obviously, you know, I know how to get through those conditions. So, um, that was kind of where I had a little bit of a mental breakdown and actually, texted a picture to my wife, uh, of my bike, all mudded up, not rolling. And, um, I think I said something like, you know, I just walked for a mile. Uh, this is fucked. <laughs> and that's all I said. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then she didn't, <laughs> and then she's yelling at me for the rest. And then I didn't, and then she's like, and she didn't, then she didn't hear from me for eight hours because they turned my phone back off. So, uh, that was a rough spot. So like I came out of that patch there and I sent her the picture and like, I tried to clean my bike one more time and I just realized it's like the only option is just to keep moving forward. And there happened to be a, like a farm set up near me, you know, bar, out barns and this and that. And I noticed a spigot. And so here I was second time cleaning my bike. I went over there and just opened up the classic old style, you know, little house on the prairie spigot and let it spew down on my rear wheel, which was completely plugged, wasn't rolling, cleaned out all the mud, the dirt, like cleaned my drivetrain again, wow. did that to the front wheel, and then still had to go back out on the road and carry my bike again for a while cause to, to get through the mud, so running through the grass. Um, so that was the darkest moment. That was the closest I came to, you know, saying, fuck it, um, this isn't fun anymore. Um, but I just you know, put my head down and decided to keep pushing forward. And, um, luckily I'd brought a little bit of chain lube too. So that, you know, we lubed three or four times, which helped tremendously because my drivetrain was torched. Mm -hmm. Um, Man. and then, you know, you know, and then the, the, the light, the light moment came when I was under like this independence day size, you know, UFO, dark, inky, cloud that was about ready to just unleash, you know, ugliness on us. Um, I remember, dude, I have these memories of me looking back over my shoulder, you know, it's like one of those horror movies where this, whatever it is, is coming and it's right over your shoulder and looking back and be like, Oh my God, that is going to, cause like the, the winds had picked up and it was sort of a cross, uh, tail. And, um, it literally, you know, not to be too, you know, geeky lifted my spirits and it allowed me to like alternate from 
seated pushing a hard gear to getting out of the saddle and pushing even harder gear and having just like this energy of this storm come blowing through the prairie, you know, because uh-huh. I mean, you know, the, elect- the electrical particles are changing. I mean, while I'm riding, there's electrical, you know, storm happening and stuff like that. It was, it was crazy. Um, there had been a crimson moon earlier uh, in the night, and then there were these electrical storms happening. And then this thing blew in, and it was, it was just like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, let's take advantage of this. And uh, luckily, we were up on like, the, it seemed like we were on this plateau, so you could like roll, roll pretty good. Uh-huh. And, um, so, so that was my moment of light. And it was around that same time that, uh, I saw a bobcat and, you know, for those who know me, bobcat is my spirit animal. I don't know if I've shared this with you, Patrick, but, uh, the day my father died, I saw a bobcat. And since that day, 13, 14 years ago now, um, I can almost conjure them sometimes and see them. And I've seen them over a dozen times. And so seeing, having one run across my path out uh, right as this storm started hailing and dumping on me um, was pretty cool motiva- motivation. It was just, it was kind of like my dad was like, all right, man, get over it. Just keep going. You know, all you can do is just keep pedaling. Um, what wonderful yeah, motivation. Boy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, That's totally. terrific. So, yeah, it was great. And, you know, I'm just going to throw this in there because she and I have talked a lot about it, but Rebecca Rush has a similar experience with her father, um, but it is a butterfly that is her uh, symbol of, of her father. And get this, dude, and I can't make this up, out in that gnarly mud patch where I nearly said, fuck it, she had a butterfly experience out there that kept her going. And it's weird because i was like i didn't see any butterflies out there and obviously she could say well i didn't see a bobcat either but like you know butterflies are more prevalent than bobcats in my experience so just something you know cool stuff happens out there on the prairie sometimes you know people think it's boring and flat and ugly but it's actually you know it can be a really stunning cool place so well and you you talked a little bit in uh in one or two of your posts about going really deep I'm, yeah. Can you speak at all to kind of the, you know, where you went in your head and, you know, what that yeah. journey was for you? Yeah. So I was, I was kind of thinking about it today and um, to think of an analogy possibly or, or, or just a better way to explain it. But I've for a while now, I've been able to turn off, uh, I guess, for a better you know way a lot of the unneeded functions in my brain, much like I did on my Garmin, you know, to save its battery. Uh Um, And so I feel like I turn off a lot of the different functions in my brain and all that I think about um, for the most part is okay. Like I didn't, I didn't listen to a a lick of music for 25 hours um, was I listened to my bike. I listened to the sounds around me. I listened to my breathing. I listened to how my body's feeling I uh, listen to the road. I watch the riders around me. If I'm with anybody, which I wasn't after a mile 130, but I get into almost like this. Uh, it's not like a mantra, but like this yogic sort of breathing. And I, as you know, I do, I've done yoga for many years. So I try to get into like this just pattern of being really aware of my breath and my surroundings and my body and my bike mm-hmm. and just ha- sort of having be th- that is what I'm thinking. Um, and I don't need to think about anything else. I'm sort of a robot when it comes to like knowing what I need to eat. And those are, that's just something that just happens. Um, but I don't, 
like necessarily, unless I'm having like some really physical issues or, you know, like this mud issue have like deep, dark thoughts. So, you know, when I say I go deep, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that I've gone to like this place of suffering or something, you know? Right. Um, you know, cause yeah, cause that, that you easily could. Um, and I have for sure. Um, but this was more of just like shutting off all the unneeded, you know, brain functions, make sure every bodily function was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Um, and just being really in tune with all of that and trying to, um, make it work as best as possible by keeping it hydrated and fueled, um, and trying to follow the plan that I'd worked on with Roxanne and Magda Boulay, um, our VP of innovation at Goo. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, incredible. Uh, so when you think about, you know, 2015, when you won, um, you got second in this, you know, the hardest version of Dirty Kanza. Yeah. Compare them. I mean, is one of them more rewarding for you? Oh, man. Well, you know, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, nothing beats being king of the Kanza, having that one win, that one win that I will, that will be my only win ever of DK um, 200. Uh, that is the, yeah, that, that, that beats, that beats second at the XL for sure. Okay. Um, just the combination of having my wife there and, and just the conditions and everything coming sure. together and it being a sprint that there's just nothing better than that one. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Understandable. So yeah. this being the longest, uh, race you've done, uh, and this being dirty cans, uh, you know, is this something that's going to become an annual thing for you? Will you be focusing on this in the future or is this a one and done? Uh, I actually, if, if anybody wanted to troll the soul trolls, I did respond to somebody that this was a one and done. I don't, I really wanted to, um, honor, uh, Jim's invite mm-hmm. because, uh, deep down, I feel like I don't have the same gravel chops as a lot of the other folks, uh, out in the Midwest. And I know a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't get the invite. And so for me to like, turn it down. I know my invite would have gone to somebody else, but it would be sort of me like thumbing my nose. I felt a little bit at, uh, the, you know, gym and the gravel community. So I wanted to honor that. Um, but I don't see myself going back and, and doing it again. Um, it was a huge commitment, you know, I mean, it, right. it obviously, you know, taxes my relationship with my wife cause I have to train a ton to make something like that happen. And, um, you know, there's just a lot of other things that come into play. So, and then as far as my involvement with the Dirty Kanza goes, I'm going to be involved with Dirty Kanza, you know, for the foreseeable future. That's that's an event that I really love. Whether I go back and do the 200, not sure. Maybe I go race the 100. Maybe it goes, I don't know. Somebody's trying to talk me and Rebecca into racing there on a tandem to raise money for World Bicycle Relief. So, um, who knows? But uh, I, I really, really enjoy the gravel community out there and what they're doing. They had their first ever high school gravel race, which my wife was, uh, yeah, my wife got to be the race director for, I think there were 24 riders. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to start somewhere. And, uh, so it was great, dude. It was just a great, great weekend. And 
they're continually uh, evolving as an event. Um, you know, having a better expo, you know, Garmin came on as a title sponsor this year, which is great. Laos is coming in as a sponsor, you know, salsa does great things. Salsa had the chase lounge yeah. out on course and they snap photos. And, you know, I just want to give a shot, shout out to Mike kid cause they busted their ass to get that out on course. So the DK XLers could have that access to that too, which meant that he and whoever his photographer were, were out in the middle of nowhere from like 10 to probably like three in the morning, capturing those shots before they, you know, went to their spot for the, the 200. So shout out to Salsa for doing that. That's really cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see those shots. Uh, I always love yeah. when they do that. So very yeah, cool. Yeah, there's some starting to trickle out already. Yeah, for sure. Oh, excellent. I'll, I'll be sure to look around. Uh, yeah. Well, Dude, thank you so much for the time. Uh, I don't want to keep oh, you yeah. any longer. You need to get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think we're going to go maybe eat if we can find some food here in Ely. Um, yeah, that is something of an if. Casino or something like that. Yeah, okay. it is an if. But yeah, it was my pleasure to chat. You know, um, People should keep an eye on the DKXL, see what happens with it. Or if they're curious about the Dirty Kanza, um, sign up for 2019. You know, There's not just the 200, there's the 100, there's the 50. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, if you want to see something completely different than what we have in Sonoma County, do it. Yeah. I, I do want to get back and do the 200 and I'm amazed to say that, but I, I do want to do it. I loved the 100. I'm a little frightened because I ended up with, you know, last year was a bluebird day. There wasn't anything anybody could complain about. And so I know that when I go back, it's going to be harder. It's just guaranteed to be harder. (laughs) It is. You can just plan on it. You just have to figure out, you know, what tricks you're going to use to get through it, and uh, you'll be fine. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you right now. Goo House 2019. We had like you know the full Animal House going out there in Emporia. We had about nine people at the Goo House. We had the cyclist menu cooking for us. Mm. So you have a you have a standing invite, Patrick. So think about it. Okay. Oof. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. Oof. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's already in negotiations around these parts. So, <laughs> good, good. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cheers, man. I want to thank Yuri Hoswald for taking time on his drive back from Kansas to talk with me. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for my other new podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for the bike set. Until next week, thanks for listening to The Pace Line. Ooh, did you get a sweet? We got a sweet, sweet.